Screen Time with John Fardy. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy and this is News Talks TV and Movie Show. This week on the show I talk to director Nora Toomey about her exquisite new hand-drawn animated movie My Father's Dragon, now streaming on Netflix, as well as its voice cast, Stranger Things star Gatton Matazero and Jacob Tremblay, and Mark Ryle is here to review the return of Black Panther in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I'm open on Twitter, John underscore Fardy, or you can email me, screentime at newstalk.com. Just a reminder that this show is available every Friday at 5pm on newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud, and it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm here on Newstalk. Good weekend to you all, hope you're doing well, and life is treating you well. I was at Bob Dylan this week. You might have read about it. It was the gig without any phones. Uh, it was Bob Dylan, you know, who I've seen a few times live and he is, you know, I, I, I think it's inarguable, the greatest singer-songwriter of all time. His live shows are legendary for not being to everyone's taste. Songs can be deconstructed. Interaction with the audience can be minimal, if non-existent at all. I really enjoyed this one, I have to say. Uh, he was in fine voice, as, as, as much as Bob can be, with that very haggard and raggard but distinctive uh, voice box of his. And he played a lot of songs from the new album and a couple of gems like Every Grain of Sand. And when he was for, you know, for an 81 year old, he was, he was fairly rocking it. So I thought it was great. It was also my first proper live gig, big gig. I've been to a few small things, but this was my first in a kind of arena and it was great to be back. It really was delightful to be back. There was no phones, which was absolutely delightful. You know, these prats who hold up, and that's what they are. Like, I'm sorry, but holding up an iPad for an hour at a gig or a phone to film it is just, you know, it's 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 the sign of the dissolution of society, if you ask me. I can't stand it. So I was absolutely delighted that I was at a venue with no phones. Bumped into Dave Fanning afterwards, who told me it was crap, but you know, that's Dave. You've got to listen to Dave. But I really enjoyed it. And so enthused was I, I think, by being back at a live gig. I was with some good friends before and afterwards, and we were sitting around chatting. And I, I, I think I was just high from the music in the venue. And I was saying, you know, I'm thinking of going to Lionel Richie next summer. And I, I really lost the room at that one. But I am. But anyway, so uh, Bob Dylan, a big thumbs up for me, I have to say. Now, we have a very busy show this week, but I want to quickly mention in TV this week, the return of The Crown, season five of The Crown. And this time around, it's really Princess Diana story and Prince Charles. Well, that's primarily it. Of course, the Queen is in it, played really well this time by Imelda Staunton. Jonathan Price plays Prince Philip, does a nice job in it. Prince Charles is played by Dominic West. And Princess Diana is played by Elizabeth Debicki. John Major is in there as well. Is played by Johnny Lee Miller, uh, star of Train Spotting. And now you know the Crown is a soap opera in essence, uh, a very well told soap opera and very high production values, and takes wild, fantastical leaps of imagination. I mean, it's very. Historic, historically inaccurate in some ways, even though it's based on all these things that have happened to the royal family. But these conversations that we have no idea whether they 
transpired or not. That's very much alive in season five of The Crown. I've watched the first three, but it is very watchable TV. And I suppose if you're of my age, you live through Princess Diana and Prince Charles falling apart, which is which this series is very much about. Uh, so it's it's pleasant, not pleasant. They're they're having a marital breakdown in the public eye, but it's it's a really good watch. It's it's soap opera-y and it's not going to change your life, but it's well acted. It looks great. It really holds your attention. The only thing I find a bit strange is you know Dominic West playing Prince Charles. Dominic West is a highly highly handsome man. Prince Charles, not so sure. Again, John Major, Johnny Lee Miller devastatingly handsome man, Johnny Miller, I would say. John Major, not the most devastatingly handsome man. And I can speak on this with some authority as also a not devastatingly handsome man. That's a small gripe. I am enjoying The uh, Crown on Netflix, I have to say. Now, something else on Netflix this week that I want to talk to you about is this. My father was born a long time ago. He lived in a world that seemed like it would go on forever. The times got hard. Elmer! And he was a child like any other, prone to scraped up knees and flights of fancy. Why is everything so hard? This is where I can help. You were kind to me. I'm going to return that kindness to you, Elmer. Just sitting there on this little tiny island. An amazing, spectacular, real, live. <laughs> oh, dragon? <laughs> my name is Elmer. My name's Boris. Not as cool, but it goes with my face. <laughs> now that is a clip from my father's dragon. The new movie from the great, and it is a great animation house, Cartoon Saloon, our very own one, many times Oscar nominated. Their most recent movie was Wolf Walkers, which we raved about on this show. Song of the Sea, The uh, Secret of Kells. They have made great hand-drawn animation movies. I've spoken to Tom Moore of the Saloon on the show before. This time, this one is directed by Nora Toomey who was previously also nominated for an Oscar for The Breadwinner, which is a fine, fine, heavy enough uh, piece of animation, also from Cartoon Salute. My Father's Dragon is based on a well-known book from the 40s, to my shame I'd never heard of, by the author Ruth Gannett, an American lady. And in this, a young boy, Elmer, is struggling after he moves to the city, which is with his mother. He's, He's being raised by his mother alone. And In a bid to help, he goes off in search of a wild island and he meets a young dragon who wants to be rescued. And Elmer's adventure introduces him to ferocious beasts, this mysterious island and the friendship of a lifetime uh, between the dragon and Elmer. And it's it's, it's a trippy kind of kids movie. I really enjoyed it. I watched it with my 10-year-old. He really enjoyed it. It's probably Cartoon Saloon's least Irish looking movie and I mean that as no criticism whatsoever but that kind of Celtic vibe isn't there as much because this is taking place partially in America and then in this mysterious island but it is it's exquisite looking and it's it's really delightful I have to say it is a great voice cast in it as well Chris O'Dowd Alan Cumming is in it and two people you're going to hear from me talking to shortly are the star of Stranger Things who plays Dustin uh, Gatton 
Matazaro and also uh, Jacob Tremblay, uh, who plays Elmer and is also wonderful in it. But before all that, I want to bring you my chat with Nora Toomey, who directed My Father's Dragon. Have a listen to this. Well, I was thinking when I first started watching this, you know, this is maybe lighter fare than the last thing of yours. I saw the breadwinner here. We, it's it's a magical realm. He's heading off to this island with a friendly dragon who needs a bit of courage and all. But then, you know, I was thinking about it this morning. It It's deep as well. Like it questions mothers and sons and courage and friendship and how important that is and and not fitting in maybe. And there's there's a load of themes in it as well not that you need me to explain the movie to you but i'm just i'm thinking was that the appeal for you that it is maybe on the surface you know a shiny kids movie but when you get into it there's a lot going on yeah absolutely i think that was the first thing that really attracted me to the story you know when i read ruth styles gannett's book that um, the film is inspired by mm. there's a page in that book where um Elmer and his mom have an argument over a saucer of milk that he gives the cat. And I just couldn't help but wonder what was going on in the mom's life, that a saucer of milk was a big deal. Um, You know, what was going on in Elmer's life at that Mm. time? You know, I'd been a kid who, you know, had looked up into the face of an adult and know that they knew that they weren't telling me the whole truth. And I've been a mom who looked down into my children's faces and not told the whole truth in order to protect them. So I just love the complexity of that, you know, and the opportunity that we had with this film to explore all of life's complexities and the things that hold us together when it feels like everything's going to fall apart. Um, so for me, that's a that's a huge playground and it's mm. a really emotional one. Um, and so to really, um, you know, get the the might of our animators and our, our, our voice cast underneath that, that whole story was something that... Um, that we really worked hard uh, to to get up on the screen. I have a very precocious 10-year-old and I said, we have to watch this. This was last night and just talking to kids. And he said, oh no, that, that looks babyish because he's into Lord of the Rings now and all that stuff or whatever. And he was hooked within about 15 minutes and I had to send him up to bed. He's going to watch the second half. I got to watch it without him, but he loved it. So just so you know, it was a big hit with a 10 year old in our house last night. So yeah. Uh, And I lied to him having not seen it, talking of white lies saying, you know, it's great, even though I didn't know it was, but I assumed it would be. (laughs) Listen, you, you mentioned Ruth and I had read in the notes that you kind of went to see her or the team went to see her and yeah, yeah. maybe sought her blessing is overstating it but why did you want to go and see her I wanted to I wanted to see what kind of a woman she was you know I, I went to the the little um village of Trumansburg where she mm. she lives she lives out the road about a mile out the road so I walked out that road on the a lovely um August day and uh she made me bread and we had some soup and blueberry pipe <laughs> and the blueberries from her garden wow. and her daughter she has seven you know, gorgeous daughters, and one of her her, her daughters uh, was with her. She's ninety nine now, um, and I just got a sense of who she was, even just from like staying in a little, a small little hotel in in Trumansburg. The woman who ran the hotel had been taught to read as uh, by Ruth, you know, when she was a child because uh, she was having trouble uh, learning how to read. And and Ruth, as a mom, just went into yeah. the school and helped kids who um who you know were having trouble uh, reading. That's the kind of person Ruth is. She um she had lost her hearing aid the week before I went to to visit her at a music festival. The music festival wow. was by by uh, two young men whose um, parents' uh, mortgage had been underwritten by uh, Ruth and her husband. You know, so she was just an incredible 
community person mm. and rather than like you know rifling through the book and saying okay on this page this happens so we have to do that in the film or whatever I wanted to get the essence of who she was and what she felt was important about Elmer and Boris for her it was extremely important that Elmer was a child who really thought for himself he wasn't you know he he he, he tried to figure out the truth mm. no matter what that cost him you know and I thought that was really um, amazing and so that's the the fire that we took, you know, to, yeah. to, to kind of kindle and, and make the film from rather than kind of going kind of like a page by page sure. um, adaptation or anything like that. And so that that was the experience of, of Ruth. I got a sense of, you know, she wrote that when she was really young. She was in her mm-hmm. you know, mid-20s. She said she she wrote the book for herself, really. She wasn't really thinking about, you know, readers or an audience or anything like that. Um, but she takes children really seriously and she takes imagination really seriously. So mm. she was just an incredibly inspiring person. Uh, a voice cast, obviously Gatton and Jacob are great. Whoopi Goldberg is in there, Ian McShane. The, the list goes on and on. I, I'm wondering, and maybe this is a silly question, but is it easy to get stars for cartoons? Because I sometimes think, even when I talk to actors, it's like, I don't know, it's a break for them in a way they get to work but they don't have to be seen or there's an anonymity to it but but you tell me yeah you know and I, um, I'm not like if it were up to me I'd be like oh no don't ask a big star <laughs> in, in the film but we had an amazing casting uh, director Amy Lippins who just said okay who do you think might be good for this you know and then I said well like maybe like a Gaten Madarazzo type person, you know, mm. kind of thing. And she'd say, okay, I'm just going to ask him. And, and the same with uh, like Ian McShane and Whoopi. And uh, so she just, she just went for it. And yeah, it's amazing. If you ask people can just say yes, you know, because I guess it's it, in ways um, it can be a kind of a fast process for them. Mm. So it does, you know, they can, you know, walk into a recording booth, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what they're wearing, you know, kind of thing. And, and they can uh, just throw themselves into a character yeah. Yeah, and you can let your imagination go completely wild. Um, and it's a, it's in ways you kind of have to have more imagination if you're uh, recording a voice for, a, for an animated character because you don't have any props, you don't have any costumes. Yeah. Sometimes you're not acting opposite, you know, the actors that are in the scenes with you. Mm. Um, so you do actually have to have a huge imagination for it. But yeah, a lot of actors really love animation. And, you know, with Whoopi, she was, you know, uh, talking about her grandchildren and she loved just being part of films that they could see Um, with Ian. I think he just loves the freedom that the characters Mm. uh, offer and the depth that he can bring for animators. It's such a gift having, you know, uh, actors like that play the, the voice parts because then they have just absolute gold to work with. They can feel the energy and the belief that the actors have in their voice performance. And then they can dig in under that and really make sure that the physicality of the characters matches the performance. Yeah. I spoke to Tom. I think I've spoken to him a few times. Your, your co-person. I know it's worth the cry. Co-founder anyway, (laughs) on on this show, right before the Oscars, he was on choosing his favorite film for me on my show, which incidentally was Rocky. And uh, he, he did this really nice thing at the end. He compared, this was like a week before the Oscars were going to happen. There was all talk of Wolf Walkers. And he compared himself to just a bum from the old neighborhood who was in with a chance. He'd one shot at a time. I'm just thinking, you know, five, I know you don't do this for Oscars or awards, but five times you've been nominated as Cartoon Saloon. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a, it's an obvious question, but, but do you think this time round you could be nominated again? And 
be in the picking for it? I don't know. Look, I, I, you know, um, there's over 300, 300 of us involved in making this film. And yeah. I think we uh, we all, you know, worked our hearts <laughs> out, you know, kind of thing onto the screen. And that's what I'm really proud of. I love the idea that with this film, with Netflix, um, our audience can expand, you know, and, you know, young people and families can, you know, just make that choice, you know. Mm. Of, um, so for me, that's an incredible opportunity. That's the most exciting opportunity is that thinking of all the families we can reach with this film out there on Netflix. Um, the rest, I mean, you know, I the, the, the Oscar nominations that we've had were absolutely incredible. The support that the film community have for our studio is just uh incredible so you know i i it, it's it's always um you know it's 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 an amazing thing to get a, a nomination but for me the big win for this film is that loads of people are going to see it just yeah. one click so but one <laughs> so, click yeah absolutely and then just finally what i also said to tom was i interviewed pete doctor uh, a while ago it's a good few years ago and I mentioned you guys and he knew all about you and he loved you. And he said this thing that, you know, sure, they're hand drawn and we're animation, but all animation begins with someone writing on a page, you know, uh, and I had a chat with Tom about this. But it just seems to me that, you know, and you again, you can tell me if this is the case, but you, your your time has come and that I don't think there's ever been such a demand for hand drawn animation as there is now in 2022. And from what I read about it, the guys involved in this movie said, let's get Cartoon Saloon. They're the people who can do this. Do you have a sense maybe that all those years of literally drawing, you know, the heavy lifting is paid off now? Because in a way, when you mention hand-drawn animation, everyone, certainly in this part of the world, thinks of you guys. Yeah, that's certainly how My Father's Dragon started. Yeah, Julie Lin, um, one of her producers, just you know, she just went straight. She said, "Who you know, who did the Secret of Kells? We want, we want those people yeah. to, to make My Father's Dragon." There's something I think you can feel the artist's hand behind uh, 2D animation. You can feel, you can see the paint strokes of the backgrounds uh, mm. on the screen, and um, I do feel that there's an amazing connection. I, you know, and, and history to 2D animation and the animators working on the film, I can, you know, you're feeling their experience, you know, whether there's somebody who's just come out of college or somebody who's got 20 years, you know, experience, you can feel that they're putting their life experience up yeah. onto the screen and they're connecting with the voice performances in a very kind of a deep way. They're, they really remind me of monks, you know, animators because they spend <laughs> hours a week making like four seconds of animation and they're just immersed in whatever it is they're doing that week, you know, whether it's from the climax of the film where it's a you know, huge emotional um, fair or, you know, from earlier on, they really are connected with the story all the way through. We had a crew screening um, last week where I, because we we made this film during the pandemic, we didn't have, you know, our, a lot of our crew had never met each other. There were people that I, I'd never seen except on yeah. the screen. Um, and they were so moved by just seeing how all of their work kind of clicks in together to make this, you know, immersive uh, experience. Yeah, I love 2D animation. I love that that you get an extra, there's an extra layer to the storytelling when you realize it's that, you know, 150 people's hands mm -hmm. all, um, you know, um, you know, locking together to to make a performance, you know. My Father's Dragon is absolutely delightful and I better go, Nora, but continued success and I hope it does really well for you guys. 
Thanks very much, John. Nora Toomey there talking to me about, well, the work of Cartoon Saloon and, of course, her new film on Netflix, My Father's Dragon, which is delightful and exquisite looking, I must say. It was in cinemas briefly and is now on Netflix. A good one for this weekend. Now, after the break, I'm going to bring you more from My Father's Dragon because, as I mentioned, it has a brilliant voice cast and chief among them is the voice of the dragon. That's Gat Matarazzo, uh, the star of Stranger Things and also the great young actor Jacob Tremblay. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time News Talks TV and Movie Show. I'm John Fardy. And before the break, we were chatting to the director of the great new movie, which is now on Netflix, called My Father's Dragon, a delightful children's movie with lots going on. It It has a really good voice cast and two particular, the main voice in it. The voice of the dragon is Gatton Matarazzo, who plays Dustin in The Very Distinctive Looking Child in Stranger Things. We, we feel like we've been watching him grow up, to be honest, if you've been watching Stranger Things all these years. He's now 22, as I found out in this interview. And the voice of Elmer in it is Jacob Tremblay. But he's been acting for years because he was in Emma Donoghue's room, amongst lots of other things. So I had a chat with the two young gentlemen earlier in the week. Hello. Good morning, gentlemen. Greetings from Dublin, Ireland. How are Amazing. you? Amazing. Hey. Doing well. How are you? Very nice to see you all. I'm great. I'm great. Listen, the movie is fantastic. I was Thank talking you. to Norma, not Norma, Nora. You think I know <laughs> that? She's my fellow country. It's like great. She changed yeah. her name. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, she was saying that actors often enjoy these roles because there's something lovely about not having to be seen and just creating a character without your face. Is is that yeah. very appealing for, and either of you or both of you can answer that question. That's so true because okay. I mean, I, I always kind of like when I'm watching a movie, I always kind of get like nervous seeing my own face like in the theater because everyone's looking at it. Yeah. But um, for, vo- for the voice, not so much. It's, it's still the same pretty much because you're everyone like, your voice always sounds so different in a recording yeah. and it's just so mm-hmm. weird. Especially when you don't see your face making that voice. Yeah. Especially when my, I was, it was 12 year old or 13 year old <laughs> Jacob and it's going to be baby voice. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's, it's weird for me, but. It's freeing though. I think what's great is that I wasn't expecting it. Uh, I was expecting it to be quite hard to immerse yourself in a world that you are not in. Yeah. Like, Zoom, there's no set, there's nothing there. Even on a stage, there's a bit of that reality that you can kind of sure. find yourself in, even though it doesn't necessarily look like an environment. But in in a booth, it really does just it it can feel constricted. Uh and it never did with this, which was insane. Yeah. I think Nora was very keen on making sure that we knew what this world not only was supposed to look like, but was supposed to feel like. She yeah. would we would record and she let us record together after just a few days of getting to know us and getting to know how we were going to work through these characters. And I think she thought the best way of us getting to create them was with each other, which was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And when we recorded together, she would play every other part and it would be a different part every single time. Wow. She knew this story. She loves this story. She's actually a wonderful actress. And I want her to know that because I would love to see her. I know, work. right? I want to see her work in her own stuff. And I don't know if she has or if she would even want to. Uh, I get the sense she might not. She's happy behind. <laughs> She's happy. You know, yeah. yeah. I, to working I, her magic. You work your magic and she'll sure. work her magic. She's quite good. She's fabulous. She's, yeah. And she, if, if you have an opportunity as an actor to work with Nora, 
you take that opportunity. Take it. Yeah, and, absolutely. And- Let's talk about the dragon because I, I loved him because right. he's not what you expect. You know, sure. he's uh, dragons are meant to be all powerful. If you've watched Game of Thrones mm-hmm. or House of the Dragons and yeah. your one is a bit like, I don't know, the lion or the tin man and the Wizard of Oz. He's oh, looking, he's looking for courage, you know, is that yeah. how you see him? Yeah. Or I think so. I think if I was going to compare him to, I think what's wonderful is uh, even this is a bit of a, a, a comparison. Like anytime I saw I was playing a dragon in a movie, I was like, I get to be toothless from how to train your dragon. <laughs> and even that was quite different because even toothless can, can kick butt. And mm. Morris at this point has not kicked any butts. And yeah. I mean, he gets to that He's point. He's big body. He, yeah. I know he could definitely throw down, but yeah. <laughs> uh, it was just such an incredible role to take a look at. And I was really intrigued. I saw that they had looked at me for a, to play a dragon. And I was like, oh, you sure? Like, I, cause I hadn't read the source material. So I, I wasn't quite sure of what they wanted. And I just immediately fell in love with the concept of being able to do it. And, uh, it just t- it warmed my heart like a challenge and it was a challenge more so than I ever thought it was going to be. <laughs> I will continue to love this project. I talk about this project so much. I keep well, coming back to it. Let me ask Jacob something, if that's okay. Cause you could talk about the dragon oh, all sure, day and I, I get that. I'm talking and rambling for the entire No, no, but life. look, you're, you're a star. It's and nice to hear. Yeah. But yeah. no, I just hey, want to, Hey, what's up? <laughs> His name is Jacob, but Jacob, I want to ask you about your character. Cause he's a, he's a very sweet boy. And what I love about him is he loves his mother. Uh, and that seems to be the whole thing that gets him going. This whole adventure in a way begins because he wants to keep his mother happy and he wants to, he thinks this dragon sitting beside you is going to help with that. Have I got that right? Is that how you see him at source that he's a sweet boy who loves his mother? I think so. And I mean, I think a part of it too, is that he's, he's almost kind of taking advantage of Boris and Boris's kindness and, and, you know, Boris really trusts Elmer. Um, But yeah, I mean, in the end, Elmer really has to make that decision where, you know, after, after, you know, big, a big long lesson, a big adventure, of you know learning about Boris and, and Boris's own ambitions, you know, he has to do what's what's right for the both of them. Yeah. And Jacob, were you 16 two days ago? One day or wait, one I'm really, I'm really confused because like it's two days ago because yeah. it was a travel day. So yeah. I, I, you traveled I, on your birthday? Yeah, I lost That's my perception. I I lost my perception of time. Like really, yeah, me like, too. I was like, what? What am I? What am I? <laughs> and you, you, happy birthday! You were sixteen, is that right? Yeah, sixteen. This is incredible to me because I remember seeing you in room all those years ago, and here you are, sixteen years of age, and you've already had a ten plus career. Do you feel older than sixteen? I feel younger than 16. Honestly, it's just not right. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I should be younger. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And back to the dragon. No, I'm joking. Okay. But dragon. we've, I've watched you grow up as weird as that sounds because mm. I've watched Stranger Things all through the years. And you're yeah. still a young man. You're 22. Is that I'm right? 20. You're 20. 20. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. My, my, my apologies. No, I, let's, let's skip them. I want to yeah. be 22. <laughs> I want to get, just get there. But like how weird and or exciting has it been for you to, to grow up before I was like, I have a job, but I did my job when I was an adult, just about, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Whereas you were a kid <laughs> when you started this, has it been strange for you to grow up in the public eye? Yeah, it has. And I think it would be, I, I think a part of it, like I, I 
like to think of it as normal because it is normal for me, but sure. I think it's just so far from the truth. Uh, it's, it can be stressful at times, but what's amazing is that I get to do what I love in such an amazing capacity and sure. the work that I've gotten to do that's, that, that is loved by many, which is incredible has opened doors for me to be able to keep doing what I love uh, and, and get to choose what I wanted. A lot of, like a lot of actors really struggle in being able to find work. So anything that comes along, they take it and they do it, even if they don't necessarily have a love for that or sure. have a passion for that. And I thankfully have the opportunity to look at something and say, this doesn't feel right for me or to look at something and feel this feels great. And that's not common. And mm. that's wonderful. And not many people get to say that they get to look back on when they were a kid and see so much documentation of, of what they were like growing up. That's yeah. pretty rare. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really rare for uh, less rare for people of our age. Cause mm. I mean, there's like, it, really easy to uh, record yourself growing up but in that capacity it's going to be really interesting i can't wait to one day if i do end up having kids have like show my kids what i was like when i was 13 and have them be like that's really weird that's so yeah sweet. the pictures yeah. like my parents when they were younger i'm like that's not a person well look hopefully you'll be able to show your kids however many you both have uh yeah. my father's dragon because it's yeah. a fantastic um, movie our time is up it was lovely thank to you. talk to you guys thank you, thank so, you much. so much Gatton Matarazzo there and also Jacob Tremblay talking to me about their role in My Father's Dragon, which is now available for your streaming pleasure on Netflix. Up next, Mark Royal reviews the return of the Black Panther. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time News Talks TV and Movie Show. Now the big new release of the week is Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which I'm calling Black Panther 2. Obviously, this is the second movie in the Black Panther series, which famously starred Chadwick Boseman, who subsequently passed away in 2022. I didn't get to see it, but our very own Lord of the Jungle did. Mark Ryle, how are you? I'm good, John. How are you doing? Good, very well. So listen, uh, huge expectations for this mm. movie. Uh, I'm, I, from what I understand, the, the Bozeman family have given it their blessing and they've treated his passing in the story quite respectfully. So so what's going on in this one? Uh, okay. <laughs> oh dear. That groan well, well, does not signal good news, folks. I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm wondering how to, <laughs> what is going on? Um, as you say, most people will probably be aware that Chaz, Chaz, uh, Chadwick Boseman passed away in 2020. And um, in Wakanda Forever, obviously his character is is killed off. He's killed off off screen in the opening scenes. There's a funeral and that's all as it should be. I don't see what other choice there was yeah. to be made with this. Yeah. And that's all well and good. That's fine. The movie then picks up um, a year later at the UN where France and America are trying to take advantage of this power vacuum in Wakanda's leadership to get their hands on vibranium, which as far as I can work out, it's a metal or an ore or something, but it is something that's only found in Wakanda. And then also someone somewhere has developed a vibranium detector and while the Americans are trying to use this detector on this deep deep sea expedition, they get attacked and killed by a bunch of magic blue fishmen. Um, the the Americans assume that it was Wakanda who's responsible for the this this uh, attack, but it is in fact another kingdom, magical kingdom uh, of blue fishmen that's led by a, a guy in small pants with flying fish attached to his ankles. Okay. Now, 
that's about as much as the, of the plot, I suppose, as I want to go into. Yeah, and there's two important things I want to say to you and ask you. One is, there may be a revelation about a new Black Panther, but we don't want to give that away. And I think critics were asked specifically not to do that. So I'm going to will, tell you exactly who it is now. <laughs> we will adhere to that. But Wakanda, just for people, is what and where? Uh, okay. Now, here's the thing. You've seen the first Black Panther. Yeah. I've seen the second one. Um, so we're kind of both <laughs> we're kind of both halves of the same coin. I didn't watch the first Black Panther because I didn't have to watch it. I wasn't doing. I was. I didn't need to watch it for anything. Oh, and okay, okay. I've I've seen as many of these things as I as I ever need to. Um, now, but I, I do understand that the first Black Panther was very very well received, and it's it's. I understand it's considered to be one of the better comic book movies, mm. and it was also you know hugely significant on a representational basis. Yes. And for kids, you know, it's important for kids to have heroes to look up to that don't yeah. all look like Chris Evans and, and Robert Downey Jr. Absolutely, absolutely. If you, can, if you see it, you can be it. So yeah. I'm willing to give it a bit of leeway. Yeah. Um, having said all that. Um, but sorry, Wakanda is a magical place for it's, of- it's it, obviously it's it's a superhero movie, so yeah. you have to take all this with a grain of salt. I think it's a, as far as I can tell, it's a sort of a it's a it's a, it's a hidden. It's it's a it's a country that's that's hidden from the rest of the world, and it's you know that's it in a nutshell. And it's all built, I think, on this ore that's native to Wakanda. Yeah, and the Queen Mother of Wakanda is played in this by Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett, yeah, who is Chadwick Boseman's mother, not Chadwick mm. Boseman's actual mother, but no, you understand sure. in yes, the movie. Yes, indeed, I do. Indeed, I and, do. And yeah, so what is uh, so that's what's going on in this one. I have to say, uh, the first half an hour is fine um it is over two hours 40 minutes and it's 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 it, you know it a lot of it bored me rigid but okay. you know on the good on the upside it's it's really long as well um <laughs> it's I, I will say that it's probably the least action-oriented marvel movie of recent times um i think there's one big set piece in around the first 30 minutes and naturally there's another in the last 30 but that's it um so it's it, that, that's probably to the film's advantage because because for movies that are so heavily reliant on on action i think marvel is i think they're inexcusably awful at doing action um and there have been lots of there. There are lots of stories coming out over re recent weeks and months of you know the impossible demands that Marvel puts on these poor, overworked, outsourced visual effects artists. Mm. And for me, it's a wasted effort because nine times out of ten, it's just a nonsensical, weightless blur of pixels. And in that, that, that's that's a problem that this one has as well. The visuals are very muddy. The action is very lackluster. It just doesn't get the blood going in terms of action. And when you, when you, what happens, I've talked about this at length before, when you get somebody like Ryan Coogler or, you know, any Who's other director. director yeah. yeah, the director, and he co-wrote it as well. Um, what you have is, uh, you know, they direct bits of it, but then most of the action is done out, out, out of house. And you end up with this kind of, this confusing, it's a, you end up with an inconsistent visual language is what, what you end up with. Mm. And it's, the whole thing is a bit of a mess. Anyway, um, it, it's, it's more of the same. Um, okay. But, but there's less reliance on that, uh, wonky action in this one. There's less action. There's obviously the still, there's, they're, they're contractually obliged to hit certain things at certain points in the story. So there yeah. is action. And again, it's lackluster and it's just, it's, it's a waste of effort. You know, the big problem with Black Panther 2 is that it's a movie 
without a strong central character. Obviously, there's a gaping hole that was left with uh, by Chadwick Boseman, and the sequel just can't fill it. Um, there is there is one person that is the, probably the closest that uh, Wakanda Forever gets to having a protagonist, and her character is the one that's it's not a spoiler because most of the characters in this are, are female. Um, she's the one that's set down on the, the, the path of the hero's journey, um, but unfortunately, she's she's just not a very strong central character in my, in my opinion, and mm-hmm. it's. It's very, very hard to care about what's happening because a lot of it is it's very underwhelming and inconsequential. And for, like I said, it's a really long movie, but for mm. a, a, like a good portion of it, the wheels are just spinning and, and, and going nowhere. Mm. Interesting. You see, the, the thing about Black Panther, the first one, which you haven't seen, but which I saw was, I completely mm. agree with what you were saying about children need to see a world that's different to what they're traditionally used to seeing in Hollywood, which is very white. And Black Panther was rightly applauded for being a proper diverse cast. And Chadwick Boseman's performance was 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 definitely great in it. And it was mm. just great to see a Marvel movie with so many different faces in it. But at the same time, I, I remember watching it with my son. I watched it on Disney Plus, actually. I hadn't even seen it in the cinema. Right. I was still, and I think even you might have said it to me, it was still a man in tights wearing a mask. Like I wasn't blown away <laughs> by it to the extent that I was expecting to be. Uh, I, I, yeah. it, it was an okay superhero movie, you know? Yeah, now yeah, I guess yeah. the reason why they made a second one was because the numbers were always going to, yeah. But I mean, I certainly wasn't blown away. Like yeah. I enjoyed Avengers Endgame more than I enjoyed Black Panther, to be honest. But I can, I can barely remember it. Like the thing, I suppose anything at this stage, anything different is good. You yeah. know, um, it's it's the it, it's very very throwaway. I saw this. I just saw this yesterday, and I can mm. I can barely remember it now. You know, yeah. um, and it's it's still doing that thing where it's trying to shoehorn in stuff that's that's only relevant because this character has got another Marvel TV show coming out in January, mm. and there's there's massive swathes of dialogue dumping exposition. You know, yeah, um, and. Everyone in this movie is is really fond of telling us why they're doing what they're about to do, okay. and they they tell us using these huge clumsy speed bub- bubbles. And there were, I, I really, I'm not trying to be funny, but I I, I struggled to stay awake a lot during this. <laughs> okay. And it's, okay. it's not and you'd had a full it, night's sleep as well, right? No, I, like that never happens. Like yeah. wow, okay. I, one of the one of the prerequisites of doing this is staying awake, you know. <laughs> yeah, that helps. We always like it when you're <laughs> conscious for the whole movie. And tell but, me this, Ryan yeah. Coogler, is it a case like Chloe Zhao with The Eternals, I think it was, half of this movie's nearly already made and then they get him attached to it or I, I, you know, no, I, obviously he was attached from, from day one because of, you know, he was attached to Black Panther. I yeah. just, there, I keep on saying this. I, I'd like to see these filmmakers do something a bit more interesting than more Marvel movies. Yeah. Um, this one, right? It's, this is the Black Panther Wakanda Forever. It's the seventh Marvel movie in 18 months. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen my barber seven times in 18 months yes but and you have every- a lovely head of hair and <laughs> it's the only thing i have left going for me but every time there's one of these movies you can see that the workings of the apparatus gets exposed a little bit more and they're they're really just at this stage they're just characters and events mm-hmm. that are fed into the, the the algorithm and it spits out something that sets up the next thing and 
Marvel isn't making movies anymore. It's just making content. Mm. And it doesn't matter what Marvel has out in the cinema. It just matters that Marvel has something in the cinema. And story and character aren't, are nowhere near as important as the poster is or the trailer that, that fans can tweet about, you know, Mm. it's a depressing state of affairs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Billy Joel and Elton John famously had a falling out a couple of years ago. Oh no. Elton John was prodding Billy Joel because he hadn't released a new album since 1993. And he said to him, you should make more albums. And Billy said, you should make less. Uh, So I'm, I'm reminded of that. Tell me this, Angela Bassett though, I'm, I'm very fond of her in, in all sorts of things. And I like her a lot. Is she the best thing in this? Look, nobody is going to win any acting awards for this. Um, okay, okay. Uh, that's that's the best I can say about it. Look, it's just the, it, I, I mean, it is okay, what it so is. So, what, what are you going to say, stars wise? I'm going to give it one and a half. Okay, okay. It's not the worst Marvel movie I've ever seen. You know, but I mean, <laughs> it, that's a very it's a it's a it's a full pitch. Yeah, yeah. It's a crowded I, uh, field. One and a half. It's not the worst Marvel movie I've ever seen. And I struggle to stay awake. So it's not a ringing yeah. endorsement, whatever way you squint your eyes and how hard you want to see this one. So that is one and a half for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Thank you, Mark. Thanks, John. Get out of my door. Get out. Hey. I'm warning you, do not take another step toward me. See how they teach the children to treat their guests. Mm. Like her. Hey, 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 hey. Put it down, put it. Don't hurt yourself. Come on. It's all right, princess. Small, small girl. I am going to give you two options. You can come to Wakanda, conscious or unconscious. You need to be conscious of the way that you look. Walking around here with that ash on your head. <laughs> oh, it's funny. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. I told you. You look good. A clip there from Black Panther, Wakanda, forever. And Mark Royal gave it one and a half. And you know, we're not snobs about superhero movies on this show. Uh, I don't agree with the Martin Scorsese thing where he said they're all fun rides and not movies. I loved Avengers Endgame. I, I love some of the Batman movies. No problem with superhero movies. But Mark Royal's point is very well made. Lately, they just seem to be extensions of a franchise and they're building so they can have the next TV show and the next movie. And that surely is the wrong reason to be making movies. If you're just laying road to lay more road, it doesn't really make any sense. So I didn't see this Black Panther, but uh, I trust in Mark, as I know lots of you do too. And talking of lots of you, I meant to mention at the start of the show, you may have seen in newspapers and various places, listenership figures for radio shows. We added a thousand listeners in the latest book. So that's nice, you know. So if you're one of those recent converts to screen time, one of the new 1000, you're welcome. And you know, don't go changing and all that stuff. That's it for this week. Next week on the show, I can't tell you, there's all these balls in the air, uh, including a very famous actor and possibly a former Taoiseach 
talking about his favorite movie, but uh, it's yet to be decided. But more of that anon. It'll be fun, I assure you, whatever it is. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me at any stage during the week, please do email screentime at newstalk.com or you can tweet me, John underscore Fardy. Uh, this show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5 p.m. on newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud, and it's on the radio every Saturday at 6 p.m right here on News Talk. Do enjoy the remainder of your weekend and have a safe week ahead and I'll talk to you next week.